Welcome to Noble Warrior. My name is CK Lin. Noble Warriors, where I interview multi-dimensional entrepreneurs about their journey so you can engineer your life with more depth, impact, and meaning. If you have any friends who could use more inspiration and permission to take that leap of faith, go ahead and share this episode with them. They'll thank you for it. My next guest is Jay Campbell. He's a four-time international best-selling author, the co-founder of Azir Custom, and founder of the Jay Campbell brand and podcast. Jay is a global influencer teaching men and women how to fully optimize their health while raising their consciousness. We talked about optimizing the physical body for conscious and spiritual integration. We talked about alternate date fasting, brain-derived neurotropic factor in enlightenment. We talked about everything that he's doing as a way to elevate his spiritual development, including his nutrition and fasting ritual and his exercise rituals as a 50-year-old and why he's adamant about being injury-free. We talked about the most effective routines to induce skeletal muscle hypertrophy by tapping into all three energy systems of the body. We talked about his daily sauna from rolling and stretching rituals and his weekly cardio ritual and everything that he does to optimize his physical body for spiritual growth. We talked about therapeutic optimized testosterone and its twofold goal of balance and happiness. We talked about a unique transscrotal delivery mechanism for therapeutic optimized testosterone. We talked about the microdosing of Cialis as the best form of pre-workout. And finally, why he's so intensely focusing on elevating consciousness with everything that he does. Please enjoy my conversation with Jay Campbell. CK, it's an honor to be here, brother. Privileged to know you and again, honored to have the opportunity to speak with you today and obviously your audience as well. Awesome. So let's go right into it. And I know that you get most of your questions about testosterone and all those things. We'll definitely get to those. But I know that your newest passion is to raise the collective consciousness, the collective vibration of all. So if you can actually tie the two together, maybe that's a difficult first question to unpack. Like how no. does the body help develop the spirit or raise the vibration? I think tie the two together, that would give people a little bit of a nugget before we get into the rabbit hole. Yeah, no, it's a great question. I've had, had this question many times. Uh, so in, in truth, to go deep into the spiritual awareness aspect of things, and obviously I've been a seeker my whole life. I didn't always have this awareness, but recently, and I'd say recently in the last 10 years, really doing a lot of inner work, uh, a lot of meditation, introspection, contemplation, grounding in nature, attaining mind silence. I realized that this physical vessel is not who we are right? Like we are essentially spirit beings having a physical experience. So the more you can align the physical vessel through hormone optimization, through healthy habits, through low inflammation, through low body fat, through feeling optimal, physically, energetically, the easier it is to allow for the conscious slash spiritual integration that is around us at all times. And unfortunately, when you're physically, as I call incapacitated or highly inflamed, and there's a lot of different conditions that lead to that, it's very difficult to connect to that aspect of spirit that is literally pervasive and surrounding us at all times. So 
I can definitely say that walking the path that I did initially, which was learning about hormone optimization, becoming an alchemist, really opened my channels to get the real downloads, which is we're all here as spirit beings to evolve and to grow and to hopefully wake up to the awareness that the only thing that matters is enhancing our consciousness so that again, everyone energetically will you know, be lifted so that we can stop what is the negative aspects of third third dimension existence, which is a duality and polarization and contrast and constantly being divided and conquered. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for that. So one of the metaphor that I just learned recently from another teacher, his name's Warfius Black. He said, living, going through life is a lot like having a spider web. Now, most people think, different dimensions of like they're all compartmentalized oh my career my finance my relationship my body my emotions they're all disparate uh, disparate but in reality it's a spider web so one thing is pulling on you you can't everything else goes with it yeah the body if you're in pain if you're like that's the only thing you think about when your relationship is off that's the only thing you think about i i like that metaphor how everything is really interconnected and if for the seekers listening to this if you're intention is to elevate yourself well guess what you get to optimize other areas in your life as well so that way you have a healthy tension in your spider web so to speak and then you can then go out and do the thing that you wanted to do so with that said jay is one of the intentions that we talked about the different multi-dimensionalities of who we are as human beings so for you what are some of these dimensions that's important for you? For me, it's changed. I like to see my life looking back on it as I've had multiple incarnations, even in this physical life. I've had I've been married three times. I've had at least three dark nights of the soul. I've experienced, I've traveled the whole entire world. I've been a professional athlete. I've had an amazing life, man. There is absolutely nobody that could tell me that hasn't been the case. It's only been in the last seven seven, really six and a half, seven years that I've become truly grateful for that experience. And for those experiences, I can definitely tell you now that every moment that I exist is a gift and I see it as a gift. And for me now it's how can I be the best parent? How can I be the best husband? And how can I serve creation at my highest and best by the things that I do? And I wake up every morning now, so charged. It's so hard now for me to sleep. And obviously I'm the optimization guy. I stress that people need to get six to eight hours of sleep. But in truth, when you're really really funneled by spirit, the I am consciousness, you don't need to sleep that much. I did a a live stream last night, or not a live stream, but yeah, technically a live stream to a private group, but to a woman who's 68 years old and she's like, I don't sleep. She's like, I live off the energy of God. And she's in amazing physical health. My wife and I were like talking to her and we're like, we're in good health and we look good for our age, but whoa. And then she tells us she doesn't sleep. So it's my first reaction. The old 3DJ would have been like, what? What are you on? amphetamines and she's like a very advanced spiritual teacher and she's no man i'm literally living off the energy of god i don't even drink caffeine wow so it's if you are doing that inner work and you are tapping into again that energy and frequency of source consciousness which is all around us at all times you literally can live off of that energy so it's it's made me question a lot of things because obviously i'm this advanced biohacker dude but you ought to get six to eight hours of sleep and you can't hack sleep and but in truth spiritual beings were not these bodies right we're just spirit beings if you hack that energy and frequency of source 
and you can actually access it and tap it and, and feed off of it by how you live. You probably don't even need sleep, which is crazy. I would have never said that four or five years ago, but just listening to her and the way she spoke last night about these things, it was like, whoa. So it's, I have no doubt that you can absolutely fuel yourself consciously through the energy of all that is. Yeah, it was really a paradigm shift, right? Because my background is biomedical biomedical engineering phd and it's very materialist if it if i can't sure. measure it if there's no data it doesn't right. exist right. therefore don't talk to me about whatever <laughs> even psycho spiritual stuff like what is this thing called ptsd if i can't measure it then therefore exactly you know, you're just making stuff up in your mind having gone through a few dark night of the soul moments myself in all truth i'm like holy shit there's a how hubristic was I to think that what, well, you know, if I can't measure it, doesn't exist. How do you measure love for you? You can't measure it, right? Like how do you measure your friendship? There's no measurement. That's beautiful, man. I, I think of Christopher Hitchens. I think all of us, you're talking about being this raw data empiricist. We've all had these past. Obviously, I've been in the science field for a long time myself. And it's, I remember yeah, doubting. Yeah, I want to mention your book real quick. Oh, no, that's okay. But I've been doubting just, you, you brought something up to me, like just that idea of doubt of if I can't, what's measured is tracks. If there's no empirical data, there's no way. And just reading those authors, it's just Christopher Hitchens popped in my head thinking about how he wrote God is not good or God is not great or whatever it was. And I'm just thinking, wow, dude, like you missed out. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to, because we're, let's see, I don't even know how to engage in this conversation because I'm still very empirical. I still want data, either subjective or otherwise. And also, I'm also willing to be open-minded to say, hey, there are things I can't measure that we don't even know, dark matter, all these things that yeah. we know the existence of, but really don't have the instruments, the sophistication to even measure the thing. Consciousness, what the heck is that? Mm -hmm. We don't have right. the scientific metrics to even have an intelligent conversation about it per se. So then for the people who are asking you <laughs> questions about sleep, then how do you go about, do you go deep with them? Well, you know, if you yeah. speak from the very absolute sense, you, you can't really measure it. You can use that. Or do you get engaged with them where they're at? Where, you're, where the they're question at. That they're asking. It goes based on where they're at. A spiritually advanced being, it's a great question. Again, if I'm talking to a spiritually advanced being, I, I let them know before we're talking in an interview, because obviously I do a lot of podcasts like you, you know, that I'm going to take you down that path, but I can give you empirical data. The empirical data is do 5-MeO-DMT. There's your empirical data. I'm sorry, but you know, anybody who does 5-MeO-DMT who's not in resistance to it, that's, that is blasting into the etheric, to the source frequency. I can now, CK, do a vocal octave of an, an ohm or an ohm frequency, and I can take myself into the source field. Now, obviously, I've done a lot of training, and I've done four, five MEO DMT experiences about it. But I literally can take myself into the source field and completely go into outside of whatever conscious awareness is in this third dimension. And so that for me is quantifiable. I can do that. I can go out and I do it every day. I go out of my backyard and I sit there with my dog. And if I'm sun gazing, sometimes it, if the sun's out and thankfully where I live now, I get a lot of sun early in the morning, but if I don't, I can still do that hum and just close my eyes and just completely go into that field. And I'm just, the only way I can describe it again, for an empiricist is if you've ever gone out into a large open 
forest or a, you could do this in Malibu. You can go over into the mountains and the ruins where the ruins are in Malibu. And like you're on the edge and it's just a vast uh, natural aspect or, or uh, expanse. And you just lay down and close your eyes and, and, and listen to the sound of nature. And it sounds like, depending on what time of the year it is, if you go there like now, which is funny because literally I was there last year with a good friend of mine. We were hiking the ruins and it was like the end of May. It was right around this time. And it was crazy because it was like during the COVID debacle and like people were, we weren't wearing masks and people were like running out of the way of us when we were hiking. It's so funny. It just triggered me. But you can lay there in that field and close your eyes and listen to the frequency of nature. And that is the same frequency that I experienced multiple times under the influence of 5-MeO-DMT. And then that's the same frequency that I hear when I that do that octave, that, that resonant hum or whatever you want to call it. And I can just list out, that's what I call it, where I'm just right in the field. Mm. Got it. So you go to nature, you listen to this internal, I don't even know, tonality, frequency, mm -hmm. and then that brings you back to the space that you experienced during your 5-MeO experience, yeah? Yeah, exactly. And it's funny that you said that because I never, I go into nature a lot, jungles, um, whenever I can. My wife is a huge nature person and I never figured that out until I did this with my friend last year. I was just laying down we were both, we had both just climbed and we were dead tired and we were just like laying down and I just laid back into it. I could hear the sounds of the insects. And so that kind of, you know, was like triggered me a little bit. And then as I laid back down and I just closed my eyes and just took a huge deep breath. And then I was like... It was like right into it. And I was like, oh my God, wow. So it was a mm. profound experience for me. Yeah. It's just a real quick share. I'm a scientist by training, by trade. So when I was younger, I just didn't understand what's the point. When my father took me to the mountains or the ocean to be with nature, I just didn't understand. Back then. Yeah. Like why? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I can right. experience that watching the National Geographic or whatever. Sure. But then as I get older, I now have more finesse, more sensitivity mm -hmm. to that. Now I was like, oh, nature is the ultimate adaptogen. If I'm exactly. lower, it brings me up. If I'm higher, it brings me down. So then I can actually be with myself first and foremost. So for those of you who are listening, who may be a little bit skeptical still, just pay a little bit more attention to how you breathe, how your body feels when you're out there in the ocean or in the mountains or wherever you love, the, the, the desert, and then just pay attention. Yeah, I'll give you another one. If, if yeah. you're stressed out, you're a successful business person, whatever, and you've got all sorts of responsibilities and you're just day is crazy, hopefully you're working from your house. If you're not and you're in an office building in, in, you know, in downtown New York, you're a little screwed, but just go outside into your backyard. Stop what you're doing. Go outside in your backyard. Take your shoes and socks off and literally stand in the barren ground of grass or just the energy and frequency of earth. You know, obviously people are familiar now with grounding and earthing, but the lower lowering of the systemic inflammation, just connecting to earth and frequency is profound. Now, obviously you got to get into a space where you're like, okay, you're open to that. Because if you go down there saying, this is bullshit doesn't work. I don't feel anything. You're not going to feel anything, but if you just take your shoes and socks off and stand in the grass and not hold your phone in your hand 
it's pretty profound. I mean, I've done that numerous times in the last five years. And I've interviewed Clint Ober, the guy that wrote the book on earthing and did all the scientific studies. He's an amazing human being. But I had started doing that because my wife had told me to do that before I'd met him. You know, when we were talking, that was like one of the things, because he's always on the defensive too. People are denying earthing. They're denying grounding. They're denying the 29, actually there's 40 now. But when I wrote my book, there was 29 studies on PubMed on the profound benefits of grounding for, to, to reduce inflammation. Again, these are very high-level PubMed peer-reviewed studies that show a profound relief. And again, all you have to do is just experience it yourself. It's unbelievable. So huge re quick recap, your subjective experience is your truth, right? Whatever mm -hmm. that is. And then right. you can look at the empirical data from PubMed or otherwise from other people's anecdotal experience or anything like that. But first and foremost, pay attention to how good it feels. Exactly. If you don't feel good, hey, don't do it. It's all good. But if you right. feel good, then you can start to follow your curiosity and move forward. I want to make a quick point about your book. You, you were very generous in sending me your book, the Testosterone Optimization Therapy book. It was 600 pages with 700 yeah. scientific references. And to be really frank, I didn't finish because I was a little overwhelmed. Of course. <laughs> just the yeah. sheer number of references. So with that said, how do you, how do you, because you had just mentioned, even for grounding, before you talk to the grounding investigator, you looked at PubMed, you mm -hmm. looked to source new scientific data to essentially boost your, your point of view, your claims. So how yeah. do you go about, is, is that an important thing to persuade someone to, to take on, to try on your point of view? Or is it something that's just more intrinsic that you have to look for empirical data yourself? I think it's more intrinsic. I think it depends on like where you are in the place. Like I, it's hard to say this, but I'm, this is all about transparency and authenticity here. Like I have this ability in the last two or three years, since I really went deep in my meditation and really started to understand what the I am consciousness means. And I've worked with some really advanced spiritual mentors too. I have this ability to just start speaking about topics that I have no familiarity with, but at an incredibly high level and a very spirit, spiritually advanced people will tell you that is essentially you're tapping the Akashic records or the Akash, or there's other names for it, you know, the, the hall of records, the universal frequency, whatever, but it's weird, man. Like I, it's hard to be an empiricist and, and, and talk about or explain like how that works. But I rationalize it as when you're in the energy and frequency of that source, you know, consciousness, which is again, a high vibrational resonant tone. I mean, that can come from just the people that you're speaking with, or, you know, you could even be listening to uh, like angelic uh, frequency or some sort of like chakra tuning frequency, something that's harmonical that can keep you in that space or whatever. You just have access to more information or data that you uh, like otherwise, or wouldn't else have. And I definitely, when I wrote that book, you know, to say about that book, why did I scientifically source it the way that I did? Because at that time I was dealing with the fact that I was not a doctor. And in order for me to be appreciated, slashed, accepted, embraced, whatever, by that part of the world, the allopathic you know, community, I wanted to make sure I covered all my bases. There was no stern left unturned, right? Like I had to put it out. And in truth, I've had some very, and this is the greatest compliment. I've had some very advanced people in the allopathic field come to me and say, do you have any idea the significance of this work? They're like, medicine could not come together and do something like this 
just to your statement earlier about hu the hubris of met doctors, like they would never be able to co-create or collaborate together to create something like that because they would all be bickering amongst themselves about, you know, who found this study and why this is more relevant. You know, they've told me they were like, it was a gift that you weren't a doctor so that you were able to go down these paths and you were able to, you know, pursue avenues that otherwise would have never been turned over because again, allopathic medicine would have quashed it and guys would have had too much fear of the, you know, system. So, so I think hopefully that does a, a good job of answering your question, but I, I definitely, when I wrote that book, CK, I was in a field of wow, because I wrote that book and I also wrote my fasting, which is also a profound book on fasting. And I wrote both of those books in a period of four and a half months. I remember just going to my office on Saturdays, I would leave, did, I would go to my, I would be dad, but at seven o'clock, I would go to the office at night and I would be there until one, one in the morning. And I'd do the same thing on Sunday, but I would go an hour earlier. I would always go on, on at six and I was just profoundly moved and I was fasting. That's a whole nother conversation, but I was fasting usually for 50 hours plus mm -hmm. when I was writing this book. So there was something about that BDNF, you know, brain drive neurotropic factor. I was pulsing that out at this time when I was writing these books, writing both of those books. And I wrote the blowtorch diet book first. And then I wrote the, actually I was writing them together. I was using them both because there were some sections that I used for both, but I, I went hardcore. I finished the, the blowtorch diet in September. I started it in July. And then I finished the testosterone optimization therapy book really on Thanksgiving. But then I, you know, edited it for a month after, and I had a couple of people that helped me from a copywriting standpoint, you know, I wouldn't say dumb it down, but make it, you know, less physician, less scientific so that ever, anyone could understand it. So you're obviously a very passionate guy, very energized person. Most of the time when I do my research with my guests, I usually have to speed up. But with you, I have to basically listen at normal speed. Otherwise I'm, you just like, bam, bam. <laughs> With scientific stuff. So what was the drive? What was the, 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 in the, the energetic source that have you freaking write three books in less than a year? It's, Cause this is not, Hey, let me just brain dump everything in my mind. You did 700 source scientific sources in one book. Like I haven't yeah. read your other books. I'm pretty sure it's probably about the same density. So yeah. what was the main drive to, to go about doing well, that. for sure. For the testosterone optimization therapy book, it was to serve mankind from a standpoint of, I knew having experienced it, let's see 2018. So I, I had been using therapeutic testosterone for 17 and a half years before I started writing that book. And I had already written the first book, which was the TRT manual, which was already the number one selling book ever on that. But I was like, you know what? That's not good enough. So I'm going to write something way better. And I knew I was going to, but it was more about like, how can I make sure that all the taboo, all of the myths, the misinformation, the demonization, the BS that was out there about therapeutic testosterone was going to be quashed once and for all permanently that no one was going to come back and say, this is not scientifically credible. And so the energy that I put into that book, it definitely, again, dude, I'm in total surrender now in my life. And at that time I wasn't in total surrender, but I was in enough surrender, but I now know that book came to me from the higher panel, higher frequency of, you know, source consciousness, God, whatever you want to call it, whatever your spiritual beliefs are, because you're right, dude. Like when I look at that book now, 
dude, I've forgotten some of that stuff. Like I'll read that. <laughs> wow. Oh, this is good stuff. It's crazy. Again, I'm humbled, whatever it is, but I still get doctors, especially in the international community who send me stuff and they're like, man, thank you so much. It's just, that's the best part about being an author, at least for me is um, because obviously when you write a book, you don't do it to make money. You do it to, 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 you know, expand your connections, hopefully to meet more people, to help. Obviously, obviously my goal when writing the book was to help people who wanted to go down this path. Because CK, I didn't answer this. We're, we're talking a lot of different directions here, but I knew what was coming. I knew that this planet was going to go through a lot of problems due to uh, modernized living. And that testosterone was the biggest tool in the therapeutic testosterone was the biggest tool in the tool belt to utilize, to avoid the coming problems of, again, modernization. And you know, I always use Anthony, Dr. Anthony J, another J, a great guy, amazing guy, a Mayo clinic researcher wrote the book Astrogeneration. He read my book back before we knew each other, like back in, uh, I think it was like an early 2018, him and I started working together in 2019. And he was just like, dude, how the F did you do this? When he was, and, and then he started giving me his background about being in the Mayo Clinic and how he was researching estrogen issues in the planet and how the fish all across the planet were becoming, the male fish were becoming feminized. And you know, we just went into this deep, like, you know, Vulcan mind meld. But, you know, that's what I told him. I'm like, bro, I knew what was coming. Now, was that a gift to have that consciousness given in the divine downloads of the stuff I was doing from an inner work standpoint? Was it part of research? Was it obviously experiential because I had been using therapeutic testosterone and I knew with profound attributes and the energy, just how amazing your life is. Like I always tell people, like if you're suffering from a testosterone deficiency and you get optimized, you will define your life as before and after. And that is absolutely the truth. Now, not everyone needs therapeutic testosterone, but a large percentage of men in the world do. And it changes you from a, you know, at a molecular level, obviously the very first question you asked me today was like, how does having optimized testosterone levels lead someone to becoming more spiritual? I mean, I think it's proof, you know, you're literally so aligned energetically that you now have room, you balance everything else out in your life. You now have more room to seek the spiritual path. And maybe it's also just part and parcel of being aligned physically but anyway, in a long roundabout way, I wrote the book to make sure that there was a guidebook for men and women, of course, because there's a really long, the longest chapter in the book is for women on how to optimize their hormones so that they could escape the coming insanity of the modernized planet, which is now as full and frequency frontal lobe assault everywhere around us now. Just look at how suboptimal most people are right now and then combine that with last year where people didn't move around and couldn't go to the gym and couldn't take care of themselves at all so it's, it's never been more important now than to truly understand that you have to have health optimization that has to be a driving force in your life do you see a hierarchical relationship like a maslow's hierarchy of needs so to speak right physiology sure there's a lot of other layers from the body point of view Basically, if you want to optimize for spiritual development, whatever that may be, or mental development, hey, guess what? To start with the body. Is there a hierarchical thing for you or is it more just, just they're all lateral? That's a, no one's ever asked me that question before. I, I just did a podcast with a guy in Sweden whose name is Bjorn Lundberg. And he actually met, he talked about that. He said that 
the reason he was attracted to interviewing me was that he saw me as a guy who had the physical aspects and also was like exploding the spiritual aspect. And he's like, there's not a lot of people that are teaching like what you teach. And like, I liken that to, I think that Greeks, the ancient Greeks did know this. Like they did know that a sound body built a sound mind and then having both of them together would then lead someone down the whole uh, spiritual path that the what is path, what's behind those two things. So I I think to answer your question, I, I think that it's easier to connect spiritually when you are physically and energetically balanced. The great Walter Russell said that everything is about balance, right? Rhythmic balanced interchange. So all systems are functioning equal wait, wait, and up. opposite. Rhythm, and wait, back up. Wisdom balanced interchange. I no, rhythmic, rhythmic balanced interchange. Okay. I don't know. So it's like, is. yeah. Can you explain? Well, so it's a symphony. So it's basically a symphony. So basically everything is functioning equal. Everything is equal and opposite, but functioning in pure balance. So that's essentially, you know, the existence of mankind is like to get where you're balanced, which obviously for me, I'm hormonally balanced. I'm physically and energetically optimized. I feel amazing. And now in that spirit or that field or that energy of frequency of that balanced out aspect of, you know, my psyche, it's easier for me now to receive these quote unquote spiritual downloads or to connect with that energy. Um, you know, there's, I, I, you know, the, the original question is like, you know, are you physically, you know, is it easier when you're physically optimized to be spiritual? And I absolutely think that it is. And I, I would not have said that, um, three or four years ago, because I wouldn't have understood it in the way that I understand it now. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. This is a multidimensional conversation. So for any of you who is maybe thinking like, Hey, CK, I just want to feel optimized. I'm not too interested in spirituality. So whatever you guys you are talking about doesn't interest me. So for those of you that are thinking that way, switch out the word spirituality to deep wisdom. Uh, to me, mm-hmm. it's synonymous. It's actually not right. different, right? Deep wisdom is found at the depth of the intersection between the mind, the body, the heart, and the spirit. Ultimately, like exactly if you right. want to actually be more productive, be more creative, be more at peace, be more, uh, yeah, productive is a good word, be more optimized. Guess what? <laughs> Having these realms, these, uh, domains being more optimized allows you more spaciousness mm-hmm. more more creativity come through you so i would just invite you to think about it don't be so uh what's the word i'm looking for be so uh, dogmatic about hey i just wanted to optimize my testosterone don't talk to me about right the mind right. the heart the emotions and the spirit just think about more holistically that way so I can share this with you is an interesting sidebar is that a lot of my fans slash followers audience from four or five years ago who followed me for the pure testosterone optimization now, and again, this is you know more part and parcel to like what we're talking about, send me emails all the time and say, dude, like you changed everything for me. You know, mm-hmm. like I followed you because you helped me with my doctors, you know, optimizing my my therapy and my my protocols and stuff but man once i started listening to you talk about spirituality it changed everything for me man so i 
I'm so grateful. You know, it's like, so, so I, I, I will tell you this, you know, and, and, you know, we didn't talk about this, but I transitioned to this guy, you know, in 2019, when I came back from Peru and a lot of people said, dude, you're crazy. You jumped the shark. You know, you have literally hundreds of thousands of people who follow you for this. How can you do this? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm doing it. This is more important. Consciousness is more important. But in doing that, I figured I would lose, you know, a lot of people, bro. I didn't lose anyone. I mean, if mm. anything, I actually gained some of these people became more in tune with the aspect of what is right. And what is, is consciousness, you know, God force, whatever. But uh, I've gotten, I'm not kidding you, dude. I've gotten hundreds of emails in the last year from people that said, man, I just wanted, you have no idea. Like, I'm, I'm so grateful. Like, at first, I was kind of like, well, you know, but he's so smart about testosterone. So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to him. And then it's just like that gradual, you know, chipping until they got to the point where like, man, I started reading some of these books you talk about, you know, and so, so I think there, you know, there is definitely a linking, you know, based on just that, that as you become more physically optimized, you do, as you said, you know, deep wisdom, it just becomes a natural order of thinking in that capacity you know there's a lot of guys ck who are not optimized dude they're they're struggling their life is going from one feeling of pain you know and inflammation to the next you know and when you remove that obstacle or that layer you know from your life it's just so much easier to like understand the things that you and i are talking about right now so maybe they don't know what they don't know so therefore they don't even register what is, they don't even know what optimized feels like, right? So maybe a place to perhaps help guide them is to help them identify what is some of the signs of not being testosterone optimized. Can you share with us what is the before, you know, of being optimized in terms of low testosterone and so on and so on? Sure. Um, so obviously I have the data. I also have my opinion. My guess is that right now, 60% of the men in the world are, are, are suboptimal testosterone wise. And how does that manifest? Like, what are the signs? Um, obviously, um, the, the stereotypical signs are, you know, lack of sexual function, uh, you know, inability to have performance in the gym. The truth is, you know, the real signs, the most noticeable signs are brain fog okay fatigue early in the afternoon total lack of energy um sexual dysfunction from a suboptimal level of testosterone in the body is like one of the last symptoms most guys you know still can have sex and have low testosterone you know and then it, you know obviously it becomes this like badge of honor to not say no bro you know i don't have low testosterone you know i still bang my wife three times a week blah, blah, you know and it's like no dude like low testosterone is a biological system issue where you have a lack of energy you have a lack of obviously brain power you your sleep sucks you're metabolically disabled you you start you know putting on belly fat because again your 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 metabolism is not optimized um you know so you know, in reality, when testosterone becomes, a, when you become deficient in testosterone, bro, it leads to breakdowns in every aspect of your being. It also disturbs your sleep cycle, disturbs your circadian rhythm, completely disturbs your, your metabolism, 
Um, it's just, it's a very, very powerful, you know, overwhelming bioregulator in the world. I mean, in men and women, ultimately, I mean, for both, both sexes. Um, and by the way, there's only for the purposes of this podcast, there's only two sexes. Um, but it, it, it's, 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 it's it's critically important to have optimized levels of testosterone, whether you're a male or female, to function at your best. And the number one symptom of a deficiency for men specifically um, is brain fog. And so what happens, they go to their doctor and this is for the ones that actually seek out help. You know, a lot of guys just silently just go about their day and accept that it's just part of age, man. But, you know, the average guy goes to his average doctor who has no earthen clue on how to do anything. They can't even read blood work, can't even order labs. And because, again, they're trained by the allopathic model, which is big pharma. How do I make money? How do I write a script that I can get paid? They write him a script for an SSRI, right? Which is a you know selective serotonin re reuptake inhibitor, which is a mood altering medication. And then they also, because most of these guys say, ah, hey, you know, I... I'm struggling to get it up, you know, or I'm not getting the morning wood that I once got. So then they write them a script for erectile dysfunction drug, Viagra, Cialis, Levitra, whatever. And so then the guy goes home and he's literally been medicated with drugs that do not even remotely address the root cause, which is obviously a testosterone deficiency. Okay. And sadly, and it's important that we mention this, both of those drugs, specifically the SSRIs, actually exacerbate the deficiency of testosterone even worse. They create a negative feedback loop, makes it worse. Um, you know, all SSRIs, all the mood altering drugs are poisons, don't get me started. But you, you know, those things then screw up with dopaminergic signaling pathways in the brain. And then before you know it, the guy is on a fast spiral to having no testosterone. And Again, dude, like having testosterone where you're low, you know, on the scale 150, that's like a wait, 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 worse be, than death. Right. <laughs> you're about yeah. to drop some numbers. I know we can go down different rabbit yeah. holes that way. You're, yep. <laughs> but, but I wanted to just hone in on the, the indicators, you know, I'm read your sure. book, um, how you feel, how energized yeah. you feel, you know, the libido. Um, obviously the cosmetic people care about that. Right. And, and I think one thing that you didn't mention, I want to mention that underline that is the confidence you feel. Mm -hmm. I remember back when I was 18, how I felt inside, right. There's this like surge of life energy, mm -hmm. just pulsating, like can't wait to get out. Yeah. I'm 42 now. And I can actually see the, the difference a bit. So hence why mm -hmm. I'm actually really excited to be speaking to you. Cause I know now at, now I'm at the age, I can't just cruise based on my, right. my, my biology anymore. Right. Right? I gotta right. put in some maintenance work. Yep. And then now I'm also looking at you just based on just the energy that you speak. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, Jay is very energized. <laughs> I want yeah. a little bit of that. So. Yeah. And honestly, this is all because of testosterone optimization. I tell people that all the time that like, you know, energetically, this is how I am, dude. You could roll me out of bed at four in the morning and, you know, I might need to, you know, drink a little bit of caffeine or, you know, get, take a piss or drink water or something, but like, this is who I am. Right. So I'm like this all the time. Now, you know, before testosterone optimization, you know, I was an energetic person, but nothing like this, you know? So, I mean, ultimately when you get balanced and optimized on therapeutic testosterone, you can pretty much conquer the world, man. And obviously 
It has all sorts of other aspects. Um, you know, it slows, it completely suppresses inflammation. So now, now clearly, and obviously I advocate living a clean, low inflammation lifestyle, but uh, it doesn't no, no, age. On. Be, yeah, before you go to the, I definitely want to ask you about the, the visceral inflammation, sorry, the visceral fat and, and the, it's caused inflammation. So put a pin on that for just a moment. Mm-hmm. Now, what are some of the myths of testosterone? Because I know you're big on that. So just mention a few, uh, some of the, yeah, myths. I think that's the best word to talk about it. Sure. I mean, in, in truth, um, and I can't wait to, you know, come back to metal later and talk about this, you know, like a round table or something like that, you know, cause I tell people this all the time and, you know, you know, this cause it's in the book. Uh, and I actually just did a webinar with a guy that I've been mentoring. Who's in Europe. Who's a big men's health coach um, about like the latest and greatest on this. And it's going to be, it's phenomenal. It's the most profound thing I've ever done. It's coming out probably a month or so, but uh, there are no side effects of using therapeutic testosterone when it's done correctly. Now I say that with the caveat that most people do not do this correctly. 98% of doctors on this planet have no, I want to swear so bad because it's the emphasis of the word, but I won't. I don't, I know, but I don't anymore. I don't anymore because I know the energy and frequency of that word is not good. They have no clue. Okay. About doing this. And I'm not disparaging them or degrading them in any way. Again, I will say that there's no standard patient care model in allopathic medicine for treating hormone deficiencies. Okay. But when you become an alchemical master and you realize what causes the dysfunction of energy in human bodies, you know, because again, we're just, you know, meat puppets, flesh puppets, uh, you realize that it's all hormonally regulated, you know? Um, so ultimately if you do this right, there are no side effects. Now in the, you know, media last 30 to 40 years, people have, you know, mentioned therapeutic testosterone with anabolic steroids. And I want to make sure that people understand this is a huge difference. Okay. Anabolic steroids are super physiologic levels of all sorts of polypharmacy and drugs to have bodybuilders look like cartoon characters on stage, you know, to morph their bodies into massive levels of muscle and all that stuff. And look, man, I respect bodybuilders. I consult with the top guys in the world all the time, but you know, ultimately that's totally different, you know, and that is ultimately very harmful to long-term health. You know, they're putting their biological systems under all sorts of duress. Therapeutic testosterone is a micro dosage of testosterone essentially not replacing again that's a misnomer you are optimizing your current levels and testosterone cessates or attenuates starting at about the age of 33 as a man okay and there's you know percentages of decline that they give out but that's all bs because all that data is from the 50s today we live in the most contaminated world ever okay from the plastic from the blue light you know I think I said this to Ken on the thing from the holly, the poly grade, you know, high carbon plastic on the phones, dude, we're being annihilated. Our endocrine systems are facing disruption on every turn. Okay. So it's a totally different day and age now. So, I mean, guys in their early twenties have testosterone deficiencies. You know, you've also got porn addictions, video game addictions, blue light addictions that rewire the brain. Again, the dopaminergic signaling pathways get corrupted. 
And so testosterone is not being produced. It's not, you know, diurnal, it's not pulsating like it normally does. So again, you know, it's just a really corrosive environment for hormone optimization naturally. So knowing all of that, as I always say, testosterone as the biggest tool in the tool belt is the ultimate solution when done right. Again, under the care of a physician that knows what they're doing. And that is the problem. There are not many, there are enough, you know, and if you're friends with me, <laughs> you will be connected to some of them. Uh, but it's, a, it's, a, it's brutal, bro. I mean, you know, the, the average guy today who isn't connected, you know, will go to his doctor. And if the doctor is like open-minded and proactive enough to say, yeah, you know, I'll write you a script for testosterone. They don't know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't know how to even interpret labs, you know, to understand a lab, you know, and again, I don't want to get super esoteric until you ask me to get esoteric, but like, you know, when guys read total testosterone levels, that meaningless number free testosterone is the only level that means anything because free testosterone is what is called biologically active testosterone, which is unbound, meaning usable by the body. So a total testosterone level that the average physician will read who ultimately will say, and we, and we need to talk about this because it's important, but they will ultimately look at the levels and they have no understanding of it at all. And they'll be like, oh, you're fine. You know, because it'll show up in the gradient in the standard mean deviations in the clinical ranges that you're average. And average is literally comorbid. You know, you're sick. You're, you're functionally this close to like having type two diabetes or insulin resistance or metabolic disorder, right? So then those guys don't write the script because A, they don't know how to do it. B, um, it shows on the range that they're normal. <laughs> and C, um, they don't make any money if they did. So it's like, you, you're not going to ever get an, you know, again, a, a, like a family care doctor, a PPO doctor, a HMO doctor to write you a testosterone script. You have to seek out a very sp a specialized, you know, practitioner who has an experiential body of work. Like I said, you know, with Ken, you know, you don't want to work with anybody unless you, they've been at least working with patients, managing hormones for 10 years you know, doing anything less than that, you're just kind of playing Russian roulette with your health. Yeah. And the endocrine system is, is really intricate, you know, one yes. of the, it's a symphony mess with it. It's a symphony. Yeah. Mm. I, I really like the way you're treating health as holistic because oftentimes, especially for an empiricist, right? People who want data, they think in simple terms, let me just do a multivariable experiment. And then, you know, input comes in, output comes out. And that's the only two things that measure. The body right. is usually complex. It's not a, you know, singular variable, you know, take a lever here, this thing comes out there. It's, it's and especially if you're playing with multivariable. So I love that you treat it as a very complex system. One, two, you also said, in your books and your po other podcasts that, you know, start with one variable at a time. Right. <laughs> Don't do right. because you have no idea if you right. play with five right. variables, you know, you don't know what happened. So, and that's what the average doctor does because they're trying to make money. They start them off with this, 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 and this. And now you got five chemical agents in the, you know, human metabolism, you know, biological systems. And you're right. You have no idea what is doing what it, it dude, it's crazy. I mean, I've, I've seen it all. I've, I've absolutely seen it all, but yes. I mean, when you first start this process, testosterone in isolation and then measure, you know, quantify, track, see what happens.
But 99% of men, if done that way, which obviously is what I recommend, it's phenomenal. Their life completely changes. Now, again, there's always exceptions. There's always outliers. There's always, uh, you know, what are considered gene mutations, you know, polymorphism, expression type things. Um, one of the things I recommend, and I'll do, I'll talk about this, you know, in metal when we go really deep is like, before you start this therapy nowadays, like if you really want to understand and, you know, be as proactive as possible, you should have your genes mapped. There are guys out there, Anthony J is one of them. There's a number of them now who will, you know, measure your DNA. You can just get your 23andMe or your ancestry or whatever. There's other companies now. Uh, and you can send it to him for 300 bucks and he'll tell you if you have any genetic proclivity to developing a mutation by using therapeutic testosterone. I mean, who's, a, you know, why would you not do that now with that kind of knowledge and that kind of like, you know, deep learning that we have access to, to potentially prevent anything that might happen. But again, it's very rare. Remember, testosterone is something that's a natural hormone in our bodies that starts to cessate and lessen as we age. Why would you not give yourself the, the elixir of life as you start to age in, again, a therapeutic dosage to enhance all your biological systems? I do want to get to more of the protocol treatment slash treatment type stuff. Again, sure. put a pin on that. I have, I have, um, one thing I want to underline is ask some follow-up questions. So you did say this, but you blew by it very quickly. These days, uh, men, even as young as in their twenties are not have low yeah. testosterone. Yeah. So it's no longer uh, like, Hey, when you turn, you're in your mid age, then you started thinking about it. It's really just about looking at the symptoms. And do you have brain fog? Do you have low energy? Do you have low libido and so on and so on as a way to start testing or as a, right. to look at the symptoms. Is that correct? I don't want to project. Yeah, that's a hundred percent correct. I mean, uh, the, the top doctors out there right now are seeing kids as low as 18, 17, 18, 19 with low testosterone. It's a, it's an epidemic. Now I have some questions that's not necessarily cl uh, clinical. These are some friends of mine sure. and they want to know because uh, they've heard that when they ejaculate, it actually caused them to lose testosterone or what they learn from the, the Taoist masters, right? Yeah. And you're supposed to retain your semen as a way mm -hmm. to cultivate your masculine health and so forth. Do you have any comments on that? Um, I mean, I'm very familiar with like not uh, masturbating and, and retaining, and this is a spiritual thing. Um, well, I'll put it this way, like, the more advanced spiritually you get, you know, if we're looking, if we're quantifying this for your empiricist and you know, we're looking at that, you know, the Hawkins, the, the map of consciousness and the calibrated levels, the higher your vibration, the less root chakra energy you tap. So the less likely you are going to want to have sex. Now, obviously, I don't want to get into a conversation about sacred sexuality, which I could. Um, where that's different when you're with like a partner and it's like a divine aspect. And I have that. I'm very blessed in my life. Or I shouldn't say blessed. It's a bad word. Blissed in my life. Wait, wait, uh, why, my why the distinction? Why did you say that? Uh, it's just, man, it's something I've recently learned. It's like a, a, a root language word that has been used against us. When we, so when we say, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. Okay. Uh, great. We say, put a, put a pin on that. We'll come back later. Come back yeah, later. When we say Continue. blessed, it's not what we think it means, but, um, but anyway, um, in, in, in reality, you, you, you know, semen retention, uh, again, advancing your consciousness, you're not going to tap 
the aspects of physicality from a sexual you know dynamic standpoint because dude look at the end of the day sex is for procreation okay we have obviously as humans in the ego mind falling in consciousness doing all the things we've done you know we've made sex this something else right and i'm not saying that i haven't got kinky as hell and you know freaked out the points of my life and you know enjoyed all that that's all cool and stuff but like realistically sex is for procreation um so you know if you're going to hold back your semen for energy uh then yeah you're, you're getting into a spirituality aspect again it's the whole old nightingale you know you're transmuting sexual lust and sexual energy for higher conscious work and creativity but as far as like losing testosterone or you know suppressing testosterone and doing that no there's no i mean there's no proven a measurement that you, you would be saying that you would enhance your testosterone by doing that no okay great thank you for that uh, definitely oh i'll go down that rabbit hole a little, a little bit but i want to finish asking my friend's question about the impact of sleep quality on the hormonal health for men is there a direct correlation? Oh, it's absolutely quality? massive, bro. It's massive. It's absolutely massive. Blue light. Why are you not wearing your blue light glasses, bro? Blue light suppresses <laughs> testosterone. No, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm literally, I, I've read at least a hundred studies about what this light does to biological systems. And it's just, it degrades everything, you know, ultimately. So something that's important um, I think to understand, and maybe I'm going a little bit in advance is like, cause you were talking about complex systems to, to, to optimize testosterone. You also have to optimize the pancreas and you have to optimize the thyroid. It's a triune. Okay. In the endocrine systems, mm. the thyroid gland is very, very powerful gland, right? Regulates core body temperature and a lot of other things. Of course, testosterone regulates the, you know, the androgen um, and male sex differentiation, female sex differentiation. And then uh, the pancreas, you know, regulates your metabolism and, and most importantly, your uh, microbiome, right? Which is now they know uh, the gut brain may be more important than this brain, mm. right? So like, you know, ultimately you cannot optimize testosterone without optimizing those other two things. So whenever I talk about optimization with testosterone, I don't forget to talk about those other things. So we can go deeper and talk about how you optimize thyroid, how do you optimize the pancreas if you want, you know, at some point. Yeah, actually, let's let's go into the sort of the, the protocol. Now, I want to quote your your book real quick. Um, you had said, let me just make sure I find it correctly. Uh, right, you said a natural in invention or intervention involves optimizing your lifestyle to get significant sunlight every day, starting a weight training program and eating a yeah. diet rich in healthy fats and low in carbs. That's a natural intervention first before you get into the pharmaceutical, the nutraceutical, all the yep. hacks and this and that. So maybe that's where we can start. You want to say more about sure. sort of your protocol in optimizing? Yeah. Well, I mean, so so that's very important. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, I let people know that I always want people to pursue every natural adjuvant and um, you know, potential uh, re remediation before seeking pharmaceutical grade testosterone. Again, testosterone pharmaceutically is the biggest tool in the tool belt and ultimately will allow the majority of men and women to overcome the hormonal imbalance or deficiency issues that, you know, ultimately is likely to come on at some point in their life due to the environment, environmental contamination. 
Um, and I think it's important that guys know too that we didn't, because we didn't mention this, but we did obviously in when I was talking to Ken, um, dude, 1920 to 1950, the, our forefathers, our, our dads, our grandfathers had three times, three times the level of total testosterone and free testosterone that we have right now. And again, that's all environmental. This is all environmental. So it's like, you know, I always like to say that so people could understand how much worse it is now than it was back then, you know? So guys then were walking around with total testosterone levels on average of a thousand and, you know, free testosterone of 25 to 30. And nowadays, and again, we're quantifying this now with the scale, you know, the, the, the lab ranges, they've, well, this is what's so crazy, crazy CK is they've actually lowered the standard mean deviation. So they've lowered the end, high end of the range and the low end of the range. Now we could put our tinfoil hats on and say that that's a conspiracy or, and I think it's a little of both. We could say what they say, which is, oh no, we've lowered the ranges because everybody is fat and metabolically disabled. They want to normalize it basically. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. But that's conspiratorial anyway, because who wants to be normal? Who doesn't want to be optimized? So ultimately you've got that, you've got the environment, you've got the medical establishment, uh, everything is against you. So what do you do? Right? Well, you first do the natural things. Now here's the crazy part about the natural things. And this is why it's such a great question. Why you asked this is one of the top, doctors on the planet doing this. He's been treating hormones for 25 years. He's one of my closest friends. His name is Dr. Rob Komenarik. He's in Dayton, Ohio. It's very advanced, very well known. He's on the speaking circuit. You know, he's written a number of books. He has quantified it like this. And by the way, this is in the book too. If you are a type A annually retentive, you know, super go-getter, overachiever, you, you know, and, and he does it by age groups, right? So like if you're under, well, let's start, let's start at the low end. If you're, uh, if you're 25 to 40 and you're one of those people, you are probably, tw there's 20% can do it naturally. Okay. If you go to 40 to 50, it's 10% and 50 and up, it's less than 1%. So what I mean by that, so I'm quantifying that is that you could, you know, be like me without therapeutic testosterone. Okay. So who wants to be that anal and that, you know, uh, type A and, you know, that, you know, figuring out and planning their life and meticulously doing all these different things versus like, you know, just being a guy who uses therapeutic testosterone a couple of times, you know, a week, or, you know, if you're using a the transcrotal, which we'll talk about delivery systems, you know, you just put it on in the morning when you wake up, you know, or take it out of the shower. But, you know, that's where we are, right? So again, the environment is so contaminated that doing everything right, you still genetically only have, you know, as a guy, you know, 40 and under, you still are only 20% likely to maintain optimal levels, right? And then again, 40 to 50 or 10% likely, and then 50 and up, forget it. You're less than 1%. Again, dude, like look around outside. The average 50-year-old guy in the West has low testosterone. I mean, it's just that simple to look at, you know, not just physically, you know, but meet them, talk to them energetically. Do you know how many guys I've had from the metal have reached out to me? Uh, I'm sure a lot. But so, so, so this is an epidemic and it is in non- 
described, it is a non-talked about, no one is speaking about this at the way that they should be. It's just like accepted, you know, part of aging. Oh, you're fine. You know, you're 52 and this is just a natural part of aging. Just accept the fact that you feel like shit and have low energy, you know, and that's, it doesn't Sounds have terrible. to be <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that way. As you know, I mean, again, I'm living proof and I've helped literally hundreds of thousands of people around the world, you know, overcome this, you know, and it is work, but it's like anything in life, man, you know, you have to help give people a roadmap. Yeah. Super important. So if I'm hearing you right, um, get your blood tested. Get a good doctor so then he or she mm -hmm. can help you read the data, uh, adjust your lifestyle, right? So even before looking at the other exogenous type of modalities, even though you said, you know, there's 20% before 40, 10%, was it 1%? I can't remember exactly. Yeah, 10% 40 to 50, and then 1% 50. 50 right. and even though it's the environmental factors are stacked against you but that's where you start, right? Exactly. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And you know, um, it's, it's important. So some of these things that you also have mentioned, avoid alcohol in excess, avoid sugar in excess, uh, avoid, uh, and then get six plus hours of sleep. So as a Asian person who's stable in their diet is rice. Mm -hmm. Yep. What, what, what would you say to me? Just like forget about rice and just get no, I mean, the, I, the primal caveman diet stuff. No, dude, rice is great. I eat plenty of rice. Um, if we, you want to go into nutrition, I mean, I mean, we can. I mean, of course, that's something I'm pretty much a master on, too. Yeah, you are. So, so <laughs> I, I want to know, right? Like, what yeah. if so now I'm at that stage, right? Yeah. I, I am uh seeing. Like, oh yeah, it's a diminishing da, da 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 I want to now focus my effort in optimizing my testosterone level. And uh, so let's start with nutrition. What do yeah. I what do I do? Number one number number one thing to improve your overall standard of life is to improve your nutrition. Because, you know, this is a funny quiz, but it's too late now because you know people will know what it is, but the most powerful drug that anyone can put into their body, if you would ask a hundred people in, in uh, you know, the allopathic medical profession, they would reach and they were just thinking of all these pharmaceutical drugs, right? And it's always food. Food is the most powerful drug because biomolecularly, as you know, we are all unique. And so when you put food in the human digestive tract, the pharmacodynamics and the biomolecular changes that are happening in that tract are insane um, from a permutation standpoint, but then also, again, unique to that individual. So every time someone eats food, it causes a different response. And, you know, we don't have to get into the details of like, you know, their insulinic response. You know, some people have a fast blow up of insulin and some people can just eat sugar all day and have a six pack, right? It's just, we're all different, you know, the aliens tweak this, whatever. But also they age as well. <laughs> yeah. Multivariable, multivariable. So ultimately, from a nutritional standpoint, I like to speak and I talk about this in my you know newest book, which is old now, 2019, August. Um, living a fully optimized life, that what is most important is not the type of diet. 
Okay. It's not whether you're keto or Atkins or carnivore or low carb or high carb or a faster, right? I've written two books on fasting. Um, it's about metabolic flexibility. And what metabolic flexibility means is how are you fueling your body based on your unique energetic demands? Okay. So if you are a bodybuilder, it's likely you're going to need carbohydrates to fuel your training at some capacity, right? Because you need glycogen, which is the stored form of carbohydrate, glucose, to fuel the energetic demand of lifting weights, okay? Just as a endurance athlete, maybe a Ironman person or somebody like that, you know, can use a ketogenic diet to fuel their performance because it's proven that ketones can help with like, you know, long-term uh, non-aerobic, uh, I'm sorry, uh, non-anaerobic activities, right? So how your life, how you live your life energetically determines your ultimate fuel source. So if you're remaining metabolically flexible, you're utilizing everything to your advantage, you know, to fuel you at that best specific time, right? So for someone like me, I'll just use me because I know me really well. Um, I fast every other day. Now in my wow. books, in my books, uh, the blowtorch diet, which you should definitely read. Uh, and uh, the advanced version of that is called guaranteed shredded. It's kind of a bro book, but guaranteed, it's very advanced. I'm sorry, what was the guaranteed word? shredded shredded? Yeah. Yes. It's a, like it's that. a total bro book, but it's very advanced science. It's, it's, it's like, okay, you read the blowtorch diet and now you want to take your body fat to single digit levels. And you want to look absolutely the best you've ever looked in your life. How do you do this in the context of health and longevity and still do it? Right. So that's how I wrote that book. But um, the blowtorch diet is literally a diet that's based on alternative day fasting. Now, when I wrote that book, that was the book I wrote before the Bible. That's also very deep learning, a lot of science in that book too. I was reading Jason Fung, who, you know, Dr. Jason Fung's written a bunch of awesome books, the obesity code, you know, whatever, you know, uh, fasting books, but one of his fasting books, I was reading some of the research like a dork that I am. And I found a study about alternative day fasting. And I was like, wow, I've been doing this shit naturally since 2008, you know, cause I, to my personal clients and stuff back then I had created this diet and it was like, I wrote in a white paper on it on like how to fast and how to do it for, you know, maximum muscle and uh, maximum energy and obviously getting as lean as possible. Um, and so when I read that study, which was back in 2016, I was like, holy shit, how did I figure this out? So again, it's kind of like that old, some sort of divine aspect that I was like given this information and I was just using it myself. And now here's the science to confirm this. So anyway, when I wrote the book, it's about every other day. So how it's set up is you train and you eat. And you obviously, again, if you're training, lifting, you're eating to fuel your energetic demands of lifting. And then the next day you're fasting. Okay. And when you're fasting, you're also doing moderate, moderate intensity, low impact cardiovascular activity um, to increase all the you know, various biochemical cascades that occur during fasting, which is obviously autophagy and hormesis and all these other things. And so if you do that and you become very scientific and very religious about fasting one day, eating and training the next day, and you make that your lifestyle, you lower your body fat tremendously. Uh, you maintain that condition all, all the time. You also, uh, again, 
create uh, a life or a body that is has no inflammation. Because when you're fasting, and you know, I don't want to go, you know, we, if you want to do another podcast one day and get into the dorkiness and science of fasting, I'm happy to because I know it all. But when you're fasting, you create life extension because the biochemical cascades of fasting enhance cellular mitosis and get rid of all of the free oxy radicals and basically the bio decontaminants that are inside your cells from eating all the time, you know? So it's like, it's, it's, it's hilarious, right? Cause I think back in the nineties and like, you know, there are all these books and diets about like, man, you got to eat six times six a day. Times bro. A day yeah. It's just fucking insane. Oh, I just said F word, my bad. But it's like, it's crazy to like realize like, you know, how fast we learn and how much we really don't know anything, right? It's like the more you, the more you know, the less you do, right? So it's like, it's crazy, but um, fasting will extend your life more than anything else. And when you throw in therapeutic testosterone and metformin and a little bit of thyroid modulation combined with fasting and you'll live to 120 no problem and look like you're 60, you know, to 70, 75, probably, um, no problem. Right. So, I mean, like, so, so, so basically my recommendation for anybody, regardless of your genetics and we're all different is, you know, experiment with fasting. Uh, if you want to get really serious with it, you know, experiment with like every other day fasting, it's a very simple lifestyle. You don't have to meal prep. You don't have to really prepare your food. It's not time consuming. You know, it's not mentally draining. It's just like, dude, Hey, today I'm not going to eat tomorrow. I do. When I do eat, I'm going to train that day, you know, so I'm going to fuel my, my, uh, training. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it, it works wonders. I mean, literally I've had hundreds of thousands of people around the world use that diet and they, it becomes a lifestyle. I don't like saying diet, right. It's a lifestyle. Mm, you know, like what's going to motivate you. You know, um, I've attempted, you know, experimented with fasting 48 hour fasting. It was really painful, but I really like the idea of 24 hours. I can definitely do 24 hours for sure. Yeah. But with, yeah. without any kind of like side effects and things like that. So, so, well, just so you know, um, painful for fasting means you have an imbalance in your microbiome mm. and I can cure that or solve that with anyone. I mean, you know, berberin, metformin, um, there, there's, there's ways to hack that. You know, we, we can talk about that. I mean, you know, I've written a, an article on metformin that's published, you know, in the Harvard review, um, basically metformin will cleanse the microbiome, increase acromancia. Okay. Mm. And acromancia is obviously all the healthy bacteria that you need in the microbiome. So once you kill whatever is growing in your stomach and everyone has shit growing in their stomach mm. until you don't, um, then fasting becomes simple. Mm. Bro, I could literally fast for 10 days and not even be affected. Yeah. It's a state of mind. Yeah. I, I was, uh, hanging out with, uh, with a guide, survival guide, who basically helps National Geographic and That's um, awesome. Discovery Channel to take them to the plains of uh, Serengeti, right? And then he oh, does, yeah. does these type of like 10 day survival retreats of 400 miles. And then he would say things like, oh yeah, you know, I cannot eat for seven days. It doesn't even bother me. So you're the second person who says something yeah. like that. That's amazing. Yeah. I've never heard anyone else say things like that. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I, you know, you do have to become fast adapted, but it's a, it, it's a state 
that anyone can attain, anyone can get to. Um, and, and even truthfully, like for most people, bro, like, I mean, look, man, this is CK and J. Like we're going deep here. Like fasting is not 14 or 16 hours. That's the scam. Scientifically, you're not fasting until your body is in autophagy. And all of the science shows that autophagy and hormesis doesn't happen until 17 plus hours of fasting. So all these books out there are saying, oh man, I'm an intermittent faster. I, I don't eat breakfast and then I eat at 11. That's not fucking fasting. Give me a break, man. <laughs> fasting is literally creating autophagy and hormesis. You're not fasting if you're not doing those things. And I'm not telling people to go get their, you know, their bile or their ketones or any of that, you know, their blood salts measured to see, but I'm, you know, if you regularly don't eat 18 to 22 hours, and that's what normal hardcore every other day fasters do, you will dramatically change everything about your biological systems. You will lose body fat. You will lower inflammation. Um, you will just be better. You know, again, you'll have more brain drive neurotrophic factor. I have a whole chapter in the blowtorch diet about, what happens between 18 and 44 hours of fasting in the brain. And, you know, obviously all of the great spiritual gurus and sages talked about going into the wilderness to fast. In reality, what was happening was they were getting an, a, a massive, you know, production of BDNF again, brain derived neurotropic factor, which is this, you know, quote unquote, this connection to the source frequency or, you know, God, you know, I mean, a lot of people think that, 5-MeO-DMT is the God molecule, but man, brain-derived neurotrophic factor is like the next best thing. Mm. So I, I so quick recap. You said um, start with nutrition and then based on the functional mm -hmm. lifestyle that one leads, whether you're a competitive weightlifter or powerlifter or, you know, ultra marathon, based on that, then you can adjust your, um, your intake of nutrition accordingly. So exactly. I love the conversation that you and Ben Pakowski. Ben Pakowski. Yep. Ben, yeah. Yeah. You guys really geek out. You know, there's a lot of data going back and forth. It was mm -hmm. very esoteric. But one thing that I did say, I did here is training. So if I'm optimizing myself, my body CK, right, as a thought leader, right, someone who can write three books in a year, <laughs> looking at I, you, Jay. So yeah. I, I'm not a ultra marathoner. I'm not a crossfitter. I'm not a power lifter. I have no desire to do that, but I am op optimizing for throughput here. So inside of that, what exercise rituals do you do? Do you optimize for? So it's a great question. So I, let me go back though. Like the average metal person who's not, you know, a super, you know, fitness competitor, athlete, endurance athlete, you know, just an average guy who wants to be, super, super optimal, right? Like I would recommend some combination of lowered carbohydrates and fasting. And what I mean by that is very simple rule, no carbohydrates after 6 p.m. at night, ever, never. If you're going to eat carbohydrates after 6 p.m. at night, it's got to be green leafy vegetables or salad, okay? Mm. Anything starchy that requires digestion, you know, in the small the, the intestines, you need three hours. I mean, again, this is simple stuff, but over caught or not taught. And, and, and a lot of people miss this. There's all these people out there now, CK, you probably know who do what is called the, uh, you know, the OMAD one meal a day. 
And these dudes and chicks are eating at 9.30 at night and then going to bed an hour later. And that is terrible for the microbiome and for the metabolism. Your body cannot digest that food, especially with these people that are eating like 2,000 calories in one sitting. Terrible, terrible idea will cause all sorts of you know, acidic and bile and just bad stuff in your digestive system that you don't want. So no carbohydrates after six o'clock um, and fast, do some fasting, you know, even if it's just like one day a week or on the weekend, you don't, you don't eat from, you know, whatever time you go to bed at night or whatever time your last meal is on Friday night until six o'clock on Saturday or something like that. And then you go, you know, have a nice meal with your family or whatever, but uh, that's what I recommend. Now training to your question. Um, you have to lift weights, man. If really? you're not, not a body weight person, you have to. Well, so, so, so here's what I'm saying about that. I was, I should have caveated that you have to do bone bearing resistance training. So that doesn't mean necessarily weights. It could be, you know, a form of yoga that is plyometrically based, you know, static holds, static stretching, isometric that, but if you want to avoid the issues of old age, okay, which is bone bends, bone density issues, spinal decompression, uh, you know, whatever else. I mean, I see so many people in their seventies who fall and break everything. And why is that? Because they never did bone bearing exercise. If you're one of those dudes out there that thinks that just doing stretching and riding a bike is going to get you an advanced living longer and stronger. No, no. Um, you have to, you, there has to be some form of bone bearing exercise again, to strengthen the bone, to have strong bone mineral density. Cause that's, that is the number one cause of death in the geriatric population. They fall, they break their hip. And then in, you know, post the hip fracture, or, you know, a lot of times it's a spiral fracture, they're in the hospital and they die in the hospital from whatever, you know? So it's like, you know, strengthen your bones. Um, and obviously I'm a huge proponent of weight training. I train in the gym three days a week, bro, at most 30 minutes. Now I train extremely intense. Now, what I mean by that is I do not lift heavy. I'm 50 years old. My joints are very valuable and very important to me. Uh, I train at a level and actually, you know what? It's, it's funny, but I, I don't care. But um, I've had people in the last like six or seven years tell me like, dude, you should put this training, you should put a training program together and sell it to the world because you could help a lot of people. And I know that's the truth, um, but it's just not, you know, an interest of mine, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you how to do it. Like this, this, this works for anyone. Like you basically have to go to positive muscle failure when you train. Now, how do you get to positive muscle failure? You get to positive muscle failure by picking a weight that you are going to be able to lift in good form and good cadence, um, but you will fail at 20 reps. Now, when guys hear that, they're like, duh, bro, come on, man, 20 reps. You can't build muscle or anything like that. But people don't understand. And again, this is so lost in the quote unquote bodybuilding, powerlifting, strongman world is the only way you can actually create hypertrophy, increase in skeletal muscle mass is to tax all three energy systems. There are three energy systems that have to be hit when you train. Okay. 
aerobic glycolytic, glycolytic, and anaerobic. And most bodybuilders and strongmen and strength athletes train in the lower ranges, three to five reps, four to six reps. Some of them go up to seven to 10 reps. And they never hit the aerobic ranges, which is what produces lactic acid. Lactic acid is what allows the body to increase growth hormone and obviously clear the growth hormone, which leads to over time, if you get good nutrition and rest and all the other stuff, muscle building and hypertrophy and growth. So in order to like actually exacerbate and the top bodybuilders of all time have always known this, you have to train in a higher rep range. So as an aging athlete, an aging guy, training in higher reps is great anyway, because you're not lifting too heavy and you're avoiding the wearing and tearing that heavier shorter uh you know rep ranges produce mm. so for like for me dude like i go to the gym and i'm very simple my wife trains with me it's monday wednesday and friday sometimes it'll be you know if i'm traveling you know three days that aren't monday wednesday and friday whatever but it's like i train the body as a as a as a functional unit so i just do one exercise for every body part so it's like three days in a seven day cycle i train my body in a full body workout program now I've done splits and I've done all the bodybuilding stuff in the world. And I'm not a bodybuilder by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but um, I find that training the body in a unit, you get great neurological uh, acceptance. The body likes to be trained you know, together, you know, uh, and I'm not against somebody who wants to do a split, right? Like you want to train three days a week and you want to do chest and back and you want to do shoulders and arms, and then you want to do legs and delts or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm fine with that, but like, I like training the body as a unit. But anyway, the key is training your body to positive muscle failure. So what does that mean? Let me explain this. Most guys go to the gym and they do 20 sets, four different exercises, blah, blah, blah. If you do a full body workout, and again, this can be a split, but if you train that muscle, let's say it's your chest, your back, your arms, your legs, whatever, so positive failure, you only need two sets. That's it. Mm. So do a couple warmups, do a three or four warmups, whatever. If you're in a cold weather environment, you know, and you're not as loose and you don't have the viscosity in your joints, then, you know, do as many warmups as you need, but then train to absolute positive muscle failure in two sets. Now, what does that mean? Shoot for 20 reps on your first second set and 20 reps on your second set. So you have to always pick a weight that is going to allow you to fail, not allow you, but you will fail somewhere around 20 reps. When you start training like this, the second set becomes murder because you're like, okay, I got to get 20 reps on the second set again. And you're fatigued. You know, you're resting 60 to 90 seconds in between sets, depending on if you're training with a partner or not. But dude, if you train like this and you, you know, if you're by yourself, it's a 20 to 25 minute workout and you're out of the gym and you have absolutely no injury. The key CK as you age to maximize your body is to avoid injury. That is more important than mm. anything else. Because if you get injured, you're out. That's right. And then who cares? That's right. When I, dude, when I see 50 year old plus dudes in the gym squatting with heavy weights, I just laugh. I want to walk up to them and be like, hey, man, listen, you don't have any, any synovial fluid in your joint capsules. One deviation is you're coming down on that squat and your spine is compressed and you've got subluxation, vertebral, vertebral collapse. You're done. 
you're not walking anymore. But again, dude, guys, mentally, they just want to keep going like they were 25 or 20 or 19 or whatever, and just keep hitting the weights and it's ego and momentum and all that bullshit. But like, there's just certain things that an aging bodybuilder slash weight trainer slash, you know, health optimizer should not do. And, you know, in my opinion, it's about avoiding injury. How do I avoid injury? How do I go to the gym and maximize my time there and not get hurt? That's it. Mm. Quick question about that. Uh, well, actually two follow up. One is, do you do any additional time to stretch or yoga or mobility, things like that in addition yes. to the muscular training? Absolutely. So I see a myofascial uh, release technician once a week. Uh, it's a 90 minute session. He does me and my wife blasts us, stretches us, you know, all sorts of, you know, goes through everything, you know, do the fascial with the, with the night, you know, the metal, the steel, um, do that every day. I stretch and foam roll every day. My, I mean, I dude, I'm like, a, you know, a psycho. I mean, my, I'm very advanced in my like daily ritual shit. Like I, you know, I go, I do my sun gazing. Um, if it's the sun's out early enough, I get in my spa, you know, with my dog, I have literally, I'm, you know, I can do that, and, you know, get into it. Or sometimes I just listen to my Arnold reads. Uh, and then I go into my infrared sauna, you know, in my, in my garage, you know, and I'm least, at least depending on my day, 20 minutes in my infrared sauna. And preferably today I did 35 minutes. Um, and then foam rolling, dude, before I get in the shower in my, my bedroom, you know, I foam roll for like 10 minutes, you know. That's something that you have to do. Right now, I have subluxations in my upper back because I've been traveling, and I I'm seeing my chiropractor today actually at three. Um, but I I mean like I you know and I, and obviously I get regularly adjusted by a chiropractor like once a week too. But all of that stuff is absolutely critical. Yeah, you have to do that stuff. You know, a lot of people don't understand the value of therapeutic, eat tissue, massage, and you know unfortunately, Monica and I saw a woman up when we were in LA, who's in, uh, I will, I will tell you where she is because she's not available. She's absolutely amazing. Um, but she's in, uh, like La Crescenta Glendale area and she does cranial sacral massage. Right. So she's removing, you know, the negative energy and stuff like that. You know, she's a very an energy healer, but she's very advanced. And, uh, you know, that's, a, that's one thing I miss not from her. I haven't, cause I haven't seen her since we left LA back in September of last year, mm. but, uh, but all of that stuff is critical, bro. Definitely. And what about um, any kind of combative or competitive sparring or sports as a way to cultivate that masculine spirit? You do I think all that is work? great. All that is great until you hit my age because it's just more, it's, it's just more injuries. Uh, I, I know tons of guys that spar still at MMA and, you know, a lot of guys do Jin uh, What is it? Uh, um, Jikundo? Jiu-jitsu? Yeah. Yeah. Well, jujitsu, but what's the other one with the bone? What's the bone breaking stuff? whatever. I, I got plenty of friends that do martial arts training. The problem with martial arts training, and again, I'm not judging, um, it's ego. A young buck gets in there and says, Hey man, I want to spar with you. And you know, if you're like a bad dude at one time and you, you know, like, man, I'm going to take this dude down. When you get hurt, man, when you're my age, you're out, you're mm. out for a long time. And again, it's, you know, it's, this, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And when you're injured at this age, man, you put on body fat really quick mm. and you just cannot recover like you did. So I, I'm very against anything that can hurt me. Right. I don't yeah. ski. I don't ski. 
I get invited to skiing at least once a week around the world. I do not ski. I stopped skiing. I used to be a big skier. I love downhill skiing. It's amazing, but it's not for 50 year old people. Mm. You can blow your knee skiing. Uh, yeah, I, I really like the way you kind of you you think about it. It's a lifestyle choice. So, but I'm curious, given that you're also very intentional about your spiritual development too, I do see that there is a place. You know, whatever it is that one does, I believe it to cultivate that egoic that edge, right? So I'm curious to know your thoughts. Are you maybe channeling your competitive spirit in other areas where you're, you're like, uh, I don't need it for the body. Like, how do you think about the cultivation of this competitive edge? Um, it's, it's a, it's, it's a good question. I mean, I, you know, I was a basketball player, um, and I played in very aggressive adult men's basketball leagues until I was 34, but dude, I just, you know, the best way, you know, a, a mentor of mine used to say, Jay, you are a human optimizer right? Like you look at the world and you like say, how can I go about life at the maximum of my capabilities um, without getting injured and just being you know, super productive at all times? And so I think I've just chosen, yes, there's value in what you're saying, but like there's also risk and I the see. risk does not equate the reward. And so the answer I think to you is like, I channel it through my weight training. I channel it through my cardio. I'm very active in cardio. I did not say that. I definitely do cardio on my obviously non-weight training days. I meditate. I literally can meditate when I do cardio. I know that's crazy. But again, I get into that space and I focus on the, the cadence of me pumping my bike. And I'm not doing high intensity. I'm not doing interval training. You know, this is like 130. I'm doing like 125 to 135, sometimes 140 heart rate, you know, so I could easily carry on a conversation if I wanted to. Um but I mean, I channel my energy in my training, you know, um, I think, but I, I am not, I don't disagree with, you know, a martial arts. Like, I think like one of the things I think I wanted to possibly take up at some point, maybe, and I will, you know, once I get a little bit behind, I'm gonna get the company to where I want to get it to where it's cause I'm working on it so much right now, um, is like Tai Chi. Like I really see the value of that. You know, there's some amazing things in that. So there's definitely things that I could do more of. I don't do enough yoga. My wife and I were doing a yoga class for about a year straight and I, you know, I've lapsed um, in that, but I mean, I, I definitely see the value in, of, of the things you're talking about. I just, I don't do it. A anything to me that could create risk to injury. I just avoid. I like that. Thank you. Uh, I also want to give, I'm looking at the time. I mean, I can no, you're good. You're, talk good. to you for hours. Um, I do, I do want to get into this new category of supplement slash cream that you had talked about really piqued my uh, <laughs> my curiosity. Sure. Go ahead and transcrotal cream. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, so, so there's two delivery systems for therapeutic testosterone and that is injectable. Um, and there's now what is called, and it's always been around, but in the last three years, me and another doctor and, and now, now a bunch of doctors have hopped on. I have kind of pioneered, what is called the transcrotal testosterone application. So essentially you take a 200 milligram per milliliter cream and the types are either VersaBase or HRT based. They're really the same. There's one other competitor in the marketplace now called Atrovacious. And they say theirs is a liposomal delivery system and it's better than that. It's just more expensive. It's not any different. Um, you put it on the base of your scrotum. Okay, so you shave a tiny little area at the base of your scrotum 
uh, and you put the testosterone cream on there in the morning. You get, uh, you know, an applicator. I don't have it with me here. It's in my bathroom, but uh, you just, you know, it's a toppy applicator. You just click it, click it, click it. You just put it on your finger, you know, rub it underneath your, your balls and, you know, it's dry in 20 to 30 minutes. I mean, you put your, you know, your boxers, your whatever, your clothes on right after you do it um, and you're good to go. It, it absorbs almost instantly. That area of the scrotum is eight times more permeable than any other skin location because of mm. the, it's very, very thin, very, very instantly absorbable area. And there's peer review. There's like three or four studies now on the permeability of the scrotum being the best place to it, to apply, you know, therapeutic cr cream-based testosterone. Now, Important that men don't use androgel or any of those other bogus, you know, big pharma uh, testosterone uh, adjuvants because it's alcohol based. It'll burn the living shit out of your scrotum. And it's also not, um, it's not at a dosage strong enough. Androgel is worthless, by the way, but it's not at a dosage strong enough to help. You have to use a compounded, uh, again, 200 milligrams per milliliter cream. But uh, you apply it once a day. Um, Cream applied there is very, very fast half-life. So it molecularly cleaves in the bloodstream extremely fast. So some men may need a second dose at night. I'm going to Cabo with my wife tomorrow, as you know, and I will take my cream. And if we want to get frisky, uh, you know, I'll apply a second dose at night, you know, and you can easily do that. Some guys take a second dose, just depending on how they feel. Remember testosterone, therapeutic, optimized testosterone is about twofold goal and that is balance and happiness and it's not right. you know it's in, in equal order but um some guys will need a second dosage of the cream and some guys don't for me i just need a morning dosage but like i said if i want to get frisky i want to increase my sexual uh, performance i will do a second dose sometimes when i'm traveling yeah thanks for sharing that he says it's a whole new phrase i never heard before hey guys if you're <laughs> go ahead no, no, good. I'm just laughing. Yeah. Transcrotal testosterone. Yeah. This is a new, new category. I, I never knew about, uh, I was digging through a lot of your YouTube videos. You had talked about the rocket, the infrared sauna, the blue blockers, the air filters, the microdosing of Cialis, you know, all That's these awesome, bro. Did, you did your, you did your homework. Yeah. So, um, any of those worth mentioning anything, you know, in the remaining couple more minutes? So what we have, so I, I got till five till we're good. Um, oh, yeah, okay. so we got, yeah, so we got a good 15 more minutes. Um, so, so microdosing Cialis is huge. Cialis is very advanced. Uh, uh you know, it's a, it's a, a, a PD five inhibitor. Um, but basically what it does you know, outside of helping, uh, you know, increase erections for men, because it, you know, how it works, obviously it stimulates nitric oxide production. So it increases nitric oxide in the, um, the gland of the penis to, you know, help it increase blood flow there. It's angiogenic. And so obviously when you get aroused, you, you know, you get a harder, stronger, thicker erection. But what we now know is that uh, a, a micro dosage of Cialis also uh, uh, clears vascular networks. So, you know, if you have any kind of plaque buildup or anything like that, you, you know, a, a very surgical microdose is going to help in that. It also um, increases, um, it clears uh, the dendritic and the synaptic pathways in the brain. So it does a lot of other things if used in a very micro, 
you know, surgically precise dose that is very, very good uh, for health and longevity. So it's basically, um, it helps with endothelial dysfunction. You know, endothelial dysfunction is like, you know, all the cells in the body or um, when things become inflamed and corro corroded and stuff like that due to lifestyle processes, like Cialis at a micro dosage is kind of like a, a cleanser, a cellular cleanser. It kind of optimizes, up, optimizes, upregulates various pathways. So it's actually really, really good. Uh, you won't have a lot of people tell you that, but it's very, very true. It's very accepted now. They actually also give it now for people that have benign prostate hypertrophy, which is, as you know, getting older, it, you know, you, all men become, uh, have issues with their prostate as they age. In fact, it's reason that if you hit 80, you will have some form of mild prostate cancer, you know, mm. you know, you won't, you're not going to likely die from it, but you might have, you know, some metastasized part of your prostate that is cancerous, but whatever, it's now like a first line treatment for people that have the narrowing, uh, or the, you know, again, the benign, uh, prostatic increase of the size of the prostate as you age. So they use that to actually dilate the prostate so that your urine uh, stream is a lot stronger. So that's actually really good. Um, what were so, some of the other things? So, so uh, this is another friend who's keen on having ejaculation to be as strong as he once had. Would that, the micro dosing of Cialis help him do that? No, no, it's different, different, different functioning. Um, he'll definitely have a good erection. Mm, okay. Actually, I should add um, a microdose of Cialis before you weight train is the best form of pre-workout because that increases nitric oxide formation far better than any bullshit pre-workout that mm. you could use. So it's actually, you know, 2.5 to 5 milligrams before you work out like 20, 30 minutes. It's amazing for a pump. Mm. Interesting. Thanks for that. Never uh, oh. thought put the two and two together. No so, uh, I mean, there's so much. So in about a few days, I'm going to be speaking to Orpheus Black. He's a well-known sex coach. And then for him or people like him, uh, I've spoken to a number of them who believes from their mental model yep. that sex is a way to spirituality and spiritual development as well. Agreed. So I know that you had earlier mentioned about the lower chakras. Can you maybe reconcile that a little bit? Yeah, no, absolutely. So sacred sexuality is what he's going to be talking about. That is like the highest level of sexual awareness. And that's when you are in the presence of, uh, a, a, you know, a divine, there's a divine feminine and a divine masculine, and there's a combination of the energies, um, you know, to seek or experience, uh, you know, a higher, you know, energetic awareness. You know, there's a really amazing book that's um, called Finding God Through Sex. It's written by David D Data. And, you know, he talks a lot about sacred sexuality aspect. You know, Dr. Jerry uh, Rivera DeHenio also, you know, teaches courses on sexual, sacred sexuality. So there's a lot of amazing stuff in it. You know, again, when you're with two people who are practicing sacred sexuality, but sexuality by itself and in large, you know, with porn and all this degradation, um, you know, that's when I'm talking about like lower root chakra, you know, people are so caught up in that, you know, and they're not, you know, preserving that energy or transmuting that energy for, uh, you know, sacred purposes. Got it. Thank you for that, for that clarity or clarification. Can't wait to. Sure. So if you were to, I know that you're also super deep on the spiritual development now. So let's tie it back to spiritual development. So we had just geek out 
little bit uh, of your wisdom about sort of the protocols and nutrition and exercise and a little bit of the transcrotal cream and, and yep. exogenous cream as a way to augment um, the testosterone levels in the body and optimize it further. So now tying it back to um, who you are, you are an evangelist for, for wisdom, right? For the mm -hmm. lack of better words. And you've been writing books, you continue to write books, you continue to go on podcasts and give talks. What are some of the ways that you've seen to be effective to be this conduit to uh, uplift the collective vibration and the consciousness of others? Thank you. Uh, and by the way, I'm honored to be here today. It's been pretty awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. It's been amazing. Um, so from the energy of gratitude, I will answer that question. Um, for me, man, I, this is my jam talking about spirituality, talking about consciousness. You know, when I came back from Peru and I, you know, became this guy, it didn't matter. I knew from being in the sacred Valley that the only thing that mattered on planet earth right now, regardless is how many people are resistant to this is raising human consciousness. All of us have to get to a place where we understand that we are all connected. You know, all life is sentient, all life is conscious. And all of us are connected. You know, all the great wisdom teachers and gurus and sages knew that. And that's where this planet has to go unless we blow ourselves up again. And I'm sure we've blown ourselves up so many goddamn times, you know, and we are now, as you can tell, we're like on the cusp of blowing ourselves up. I'm calling and making it my state of being that we're entering a golden age and I'm part of a golden age. You know, I call myself a new earth architect because I am. You know, we haven't even talked about the company, you know, that I'm involved with. And I know it's probably not a conversation for today, but I mean, we are making insane products that tackle, you know, issues that humans have dealt with forever with no real recourse, right? Hair loss, hair, hair regrowth, facial uh, issues, you know, melasma, sunspots, all these things that people have had to deal with. You know, we're creating these amazing products that help uh, what I call golden age products that help with, you know, restoring vitality and rejuvenating and restoration and stuff like that for previously the things that there were no cures for, you know, other than like, uh, you know, um, what, what would I call it? Like, uh, you know, sorcery, you know, uh, snake oil. Um, so in rea in reality, um, you know, my take now is that I want to talk about spirituality and consciousness with anybody who's open to speaking to me about it, because it's the only thing that matters, CK. It really is. There is absolutely nothing else. You know, talking about scaling your company or building this or building that or making money or helping or doing this or doing that, none of that matters because this planet is on a trajectory right now that I, like I said, it's a coin flip, you know, whether we blow ourselves up again. And we won't blow ourselves up if we all become unified and we all become collectively organized by the idea that we're all the same you know that all of us are connected at a spiritual level you know from a soul level from a spiritual level and when you recognize that you know you can't have anger or hatred or you know become dispassionate about other people regardless of their sex their color their creed you know their origin their beliefs or any of that stuff it's like who cares we're all here to grow and learn from one another. And until you recognize that that is the primary motive, you know, the, you know, the really modus operandi of humans, then like you're just in service, you know, to what I would say self.
you know, and it's all about being in service to others. And I don't even like saying service to others anymore. I like saying service to creation because everything that's alive is conscious and sentient. And everything that's conscious and sentient wants to live and wants to have the best, you know, possible uh, environment, you know, even from like the trees and the rocks and the mountains and the, the leaves, you know, everything is alive. And if we were to respect that and unite with that idea, you know, nobody is going to trample anybody else. You know, we're not going to de degrade the earth and depopulate the planet and, you know, cause deforestation and do all these things, you know, because we're all going to be motivated and driven to give and receive the best life possible. And the only way that's going to happen is if we're all unified. And right now we're still not unified. And I don't know if we ever really have been, maybe in Atlantis, maybe before Atlantis, you know, in the so-called golden ages. But I am, I am absolutely assured that we are going to enter a golden age. And I know also deep down, you know, through my meditations and my work and, you know, my, the people that I spiritually work with and mentor with that I'm going to help lead that. And, you know, there are a number, I would say you're one of those people, you know, there are a number of us out there building the new earth and we're walk, working towards or on that path right now to create that. And I am going to manifest that consciousness no matter what. So nothing is going to stop me from understanding and making that my reality. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, for sure, you're very passionate about this. And thanks for recognizing that I'm one of them too. So for, because, and you being a four-time author, I think you were writing a couple of books, probably in the, <laughs> somewhere else doing your weekends as well. Yeah. So what mechanisms have you found to be effective to, you know, fulfill that outcome, you know, to bring people to this unifying, you know, field and, and up-level their consciousness and, from your perspective, what is moving the needle based on your point of view? Uh, my meditation, you know, just, just getting to a point, you know, and meditation is a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but, uh, you know, just attaining stillness, uh, you know, the, the idea of every day that I can go into that field and I can realize that everything is perfect as it is and, you know, no third dimensional aspect of whatever that, you know, we're all co-creating right now, really ultimately, um, is the limiting factor in that, you know, you as a being, as a conscious person can choose, you know, through your words, through your thoughts, through your actions to create your heaven on earth. And I am creating, I love that, you know, the, I am consciousness, but I am creating heaven on earth by serving as many possible people as I can at my highest and best whenever I get the opportunity. So, I mean, it starts right here. It starts right now. Like, you know, you giving me the opportunity to talk about things. Other people will hear this. Other people will have a light bulb moment and say, Oh, you know, I, I resonate with that. You know, that Jay Campbell dude's pretty interesting. You know, I'm going to go follow him. And then, you know, it's the hundredth monkey. Right. So then, you know, wait, wait, say more about person. the hundredth monkey. What? That Say, say more about the hundredth monkey. Oh, so, I mean, it's the, the hundredth monkey effect is like a known, you know, uh, you know, uh, observation where essentially once you get a hundred monkeys uh, understanding in unison, like doing one thing, it becomes this instinctual thing amongst the whole population. So essentially to apply it to the collective uh, vibration of humanity is like, once you get enough people vibrating over the line of integrity again to use the hawkins you know quantifiable scale of consciousness where they're up into courage neutrality willingness and acceptance then you're going to have the whole planet 
vibrating at the same level. So, I mean, like Hawkins talked about, you know, he didn't use the hundredth monkey, but he talked about getting the collective consciousness where 15 to 18% of people were at the line of courage, which is above the line of integrity. So below the line of integrity at 175 is service to self at courage is 200 service to others. And I don't like saying others. I like saying creation because that's everybody. So ultimately getting to that point where enough of us are totally unified in serving creation and then boom, the duality trap, you know, the, dis, the, the, the discord and the disunion and the disharmony also just drops and we're all now united, sovereign, empowered and free of, you know, whatever, you know, traps or duality or, you know, just again, the whole divide and conquer construct that has kept us in place for so long. Mm. What I'm getting from what you said, Jay, is that it's ultimately about one's cultivation of owning one's own sovereignty. Because in my mind, this is my CK's point of view. Yeah. I used to dream about achieving some enlightenment state permanently. Right? That's that's my youthful desire. Sure. But then I realized we don't, even though I touch on that point, you know, plant medicine ceremony, meditation, whatever it is that I do, I touched it, but I go back to whatever. It's like the ocean, right? The ocean mm -hmm. doesn't stay still. So yeah. my point of view is cultivating these type of practices such that I can just be more aware. Like, oh yeah, guess what? I'm down here. Uh, right. I work my way back. Oh yeah, I'm up here. All right, great. Uh, let me enjoy this moment for a moment, and then I'm gonna come back down, knowing that the you know the law of the universe is impermanence. I'm curious to know your thoughts about how you think about. I guess, you know, the, the scale behind you, is it, is it a permanent level of stasis or is it, you know, is it the ebb and flow, the dynamic thing that I just talked about? Yeah, it's an ebb and flow. Um, I think the best way to say it, and we can end the show on this is that each of us, especially motivated go-getters, the type A personalities, you know, people that are achievers, high achievers, we have to become humans being instead of humans doing and the more we're being instead of doing which is thinking and calculating and planning and you know building and stuff like that and just existing but from a state of divinity where it's like wow this is such a gift to be alive my fingers work i hear the birds my dog is like rubbing up against my leg that's genuinely being and when we can get to a place where being is our conscious state, and that's, again, just an awareness that of like, hey, man, I'm being right now. I'm being on CK's show. And this is a humble blessing for me. Wow. Right? Like getting yourself to, to existing as a state of being that's a blessing and that you're happy and you're in joy and you're in you know, happiness, that's the key. You know, doing is great. Don't get me wrong. You scale your company, make a hundred million dollars, whatever, you know, serve humanity, but it's about being, and it's about the conscious recognition that being is what's most important. So be a human being. Mm. Jay, I want to take just a few minutes to really acknowledge you, how you show up. We don't really know each other. You showed up nonetheless, ready to serve creation. We went into a lot of different rabbit holes, you know, had a multi-dimensional conversation right? from testosterone, uh, you know, uh, optimization to a little bit of your past 
um, you know, or origin story to, you know, uh, consciousness and creation and we actually tie it all together. Uh, amazing feat. Just really, really thank you for just the way that you show up today and the show up the way that you show up in serving other places and then and then ultimately creating actively all these different amazing products and services to really help people best optimize their life. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, CK. It's an honor. I appreciate you.